it is a terrible thing to die without Christ. I've been yeah. to funerals, both uh, wonderful funerals where somebody died in Christ and it's almost like a celebration. Yeah. There is that mourning aspect of it. We comfort each other, but there's that just wonderful hope that we know this person is, has fought the it's good fight. It's a sweet bitterness. Yeah. But I've also been there when, when it's just nothing but sadness. Yeah. Absolute just sadness. And even more so because again, the, they'll comfort each other saying, Oh, he's still with you or, or, or she's still with you. Um, but knowing the truth, like it's, it's a deep sadness and I, I don't want to experience it. I, I hate it because I'm like, there's, there's no hope. And like, how do I comfort you? How do I tell you your family member is not where you think he is? Because I'd be worried about yourself. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things, but you believe things that you've never seen. Like feelings and hopes and dreams, the future emotions and gravity. And sadly, everything you're rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy. And I got something to say, I got something to say, I got something to say to the world. And I got place to make, I got steps to take, I got cakes to bake, I got shoes to tie, I got mountains to climb, I got things that I really strive to do just before I die, huh? Tell the whole world all about Jesus Christ. So I'ma do all that I'm called to do. I'ma call on you so you can recall it to memory when you remember me speaking about the remedy of the living king. He's the one giving you everything, every good thing that you got, everything that you not. When you think that you have, he's the one at the top that can make it all stop. He started it all from the very beginning, the very beginning. And Welcome to the Milk and Meat podcast. My name is Andrew Kremkovich, and I'm here with my co-host. Aldo Beltran. And we are going to get into the topic of death and dying. And things that surround that, well, that noun. Well, ultimately, that is where everybody's going to head to at some point. Indeed. And I, as we've said before, what you do in life will will determine yeah. where you're going to go after this life. But as, but not on the terms of you can earn your way no, into absolutely. good yeah. standings. You're right, right. Technically, I think every person, no, I'm not going to take, the, I'm going to take the I think out because this isn't my opinion. Uh-huh. Um every person earns themselves an actual punishment, mm-hmm. even if they are not criminals in the eyes of others. Yeah. Just in their complacency towards God and their inadherence to his basic law yeah. and standard. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people use the hoe, but we're made in the image of God. It's like we were. Yeah. <laughs> and how far we have fallen exactly. from that grace. Um, Even though God is still merciful and graceful, he could still carry out parts of his image in our broken character. That doesn't mean that we are endeavoring in that. Mm -hmm. We're not actually pursuing to fulfill and follow through with faithfully the expression of God's image in our lives as a natural people. Until Mm -hmm. we come to to Lord Jesus Christ and we realize our horrible condition and the renewing and quickening work of the Holy Spirit that completely transforms our hearts from dead self-seeking worldly to living god-seeking holy until that time yeah we're not seeking nobody seeks god in that way mm-hmm. they seek gods they seek idols they seek Self their own view yeah fulfillment but they're yeah. not seeking god that's why romans doesn't lie when it says no one seeks after god mm-hmm. it wasn't lying a lot of people look at it and say oh that was just some people it's like no when we look at who god actually is yeah you just look at the what the whole bible says about who god is he's holy He's a cut above. He's in a whole different scale. Mm-hmm. It's like no one seeks him. No one seeks that God. No one seeks the God that punishes liars. Yeah. No one seeks the God that says white lies are sin. No one seeks that God. Mm-hmm. We don't seek him until he first seeks us. 
shows us where we stand, breaks and humbles us, yeah. turns us towards him in repentant faith, and rejuvenates in us a new hope and new life and new desire that we never had before, mm-hmm. a holy affection. Then we begin saying, I do need you, God. I want you, God. Clean me. Clean my yeah. sin. Until then, everyone's like, God, you know, I'm sorry for that bad stuff, mm-hmm. but here's some good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's like... See, they try to, again, do it by their works, yeah. which we read that and our works are, are nothing. You know, it's, it's good that we, we... Apart from faith. Yeah. Apart from saving faith, yeah. Yeah, it's good that we, you know, pursue good works, but that isn't the, the saving part. And that's something that uh, I think any false religion, I, I think they all come to that conclusion at, at, at some point, you know, where it's, you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to be good. And then you're in good standings with God. Yeah. You know, I didn't grow up Catholic, um, but my mother did. And, uh, she, she has told me a lot about kind of how they, they work through like their confessions and their, yeah, their forgiveness of sins. And uh, based on what she has told me, a lot of it is 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 exactly that. Like the priest or the the father will tell you you got to do these certain things, and then by the end of it, uh, he ends up forgiving you. Like you show you go back to him, you follow up with him, and then it's like okay, your sins are forgiven now. Yeah, and and that's just like declared forgiven. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's terrible because we know that that doesn't mean anything that's unbiblical yeah um and and it gives these people you know the false hope and then when they pass away they're in for a terrible wake-up call wake-up call yeah it's funny when you die you you're in for a wake-up call yeah if you think about it it's like that's that's crazy Mm -hmm. nobody that dies um, is ignorant to what happens next Mm -hmm. now how that really works some people argue you know there's this there's this soul sleep. Some people believe there's a soul sleep. You kind of wait for the resurrection and then you get judged. Some people yeah. say there's a torment immediately in hell afterwards. And then you go throw in the lake of fire up to judgment. I have a lot of studying in that direction. Okay. I personally don't. I don't think that's the most important thing to decide whether or not someone's currently right now in a peaceful sleep. If they're, if they're heading towards heaven yeah. or if in a tormentous sleep, before they stand up and get judged. No matter what, my concern is not, you know, what is your little span of time between death and the actual resurrection unto judgment? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not overly concerned about that. I don't, I don't see that the Bible is overly concerned with that. Saying it's, right. it's just the, the condition of your faith at the moment of your death because that determines all things. Yeah, And there's... No matter what, so if someone dies and they have this like moment of unconsciousness, it doesn't matter. Next time they're conscious and awake, they're going to know where they stand. Yeah. And it's going to be a terrible, terrible condition if they're Absolutely. not right with God through Christ. So no matter what, there's a wake up mm-hmm. to the truth, a wake up call. It's like the trumpet Yeah, <laughs> wakes you up and the dead in Christ shall rise first mm-hmm. and then all those that are living will see it. And it's like, there's so much that's going to take place on the final judgment. Yeah. A lot of people just don't think about it. It's disappointing because everyone's being told you can walk up that ladder. You could climb it up. You can yeah. do it. And the truth is, is like, it, there's, there's also this, uh, other aspect to it. I'm, I'm sure you've, you've read into it. The whole, uh, belief of limbo too, yeah. where after you die, you have this, uh, 
this you're in this realm of now you can even get right with God there, you know. Are you talking about purgatory or are you talking about limbo or the, purgatory? Well, purgatory is from it, it's I don't, I don't know what the root word is, but mm-hmm. it's it's from the same word that ends up with purging or cleaning. It's like a place okay, of I think refining. That's the one I meant so it's purgatory. the Roman Catholic belief that when you die, even if you didn't have all your all your ducks in a row, mm-hmm. you don't get them in a row there, but someone can do it for you. So that's why yeah, that's that's the that's one. why there's mm-hmm. people that come and they used to pay indulgences. I don't know if they still do that, but they used to like parents would come and pay the priest or the church oh, that, so that their sons could get a better chance of having their sins cleaned up and they would spend less time in this necessary punishment. So it's like you you put your faith in God mm-hmm. in their view, in the Roman Catholic twisted view. You put your faith in God, but you didn't do enough. And everyone's deemed this way. Like I think everyone except for popes or maybe like Mother Teresa's of the Roman Catholic faith. I think everybody else is basically deemed like, hey, you got to go through purgatory. Like right. everyone else. I don't I don't think they'd say, hey, the Pope had to go through. They'd say, right. no, the Pope is good. But everyone else is like, they got to spend their, their little time in the corner. Mm-hmm. So however long they decide, the Pope is the one that decides. It's not, you know, he's still probably there. Um, they, they have to pay to some degree for some of their sins to be cleaned up because they weren't perfect as they should be. Yeah. Because it's this apparent aim for actual moral perfectionism. And nobody mm-hmm. has that. So they say, hey, look, you weren't perfect enough for heaven. So you right. have to pay for some of your sins. And if if you, if you your parents come and pray, God receives that and kind of cuts their time short. So they don't have to spend two years in purgatory, for example. They can spend a year and a half. And mm-hmm. if you pay more to the church, you're showing your faithfulness. And that person that you're praying for they get even more time cut off. Yeah. It's like, it's this big masquerade. Like you just make up a number. Oh, they're going to be there for a hundred years. I don't know if they do it number wise, but they'll say, you know, their time is going to be long, but you can cut it short. So it's like, you're making up the fact that someone's somewhere they're not. Yeah. You say they're there for a certain period of time and you say, this is the way to make it shorter. Yeah. It's like, it's like a scam. Yeah. It's an incredible scam because it, 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 it really rip, it, it tears into people's finances. It tears into their life savings. I mean, I, I've heard of testimonies, not directly, but I've heard of testimonies where people have literally like given up their, their inheritances to try to get somebody out of purgatory. Wow. Like like entire like what I don't know, 401ks, whatever you got, like all of that stuff. Like people just give all they've got. They sell houses and give the money to the church saying, just get my mother out of purgatory and this yeah. and that. It's like what a uh, what uh, a scheme. Yeah, as if God needs money anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean he's the one that says, you know, what are you gonna do? You're gonna give me a lamb, you're gonna give me a goat when I'm hungry? I own all this. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna ask you if I'm ever hungry, and I'm not hungry. So <laughs> it's like he doesn't need our money. He makes money and he makes it for us. He he allows us to create money, basically. Mm-hmm. He's the one that gives the ability to create wealth, Proverbs says. He doesn't need anything. Mm-hmm. He was fully self-sufficient before he even created this world. He didn't create this world saying, I really need stuff. Yeah. Imagine that. Like, oh man, I'm existing here in all eternity, but I don't I don't have what I need. So I'm gonna make a world that decays and falls into sin and I'm gonna need it. Yeah. So I'm gonna need it to produce these these things and then I'm gonna be satisfied. That's not the <laughs> God we serve. Yeah. That's a made up God. Mm-hmm. The God we serve didn't have to create something because he was hungry. The God we serve was fully satisfied, all in himself, 
just a, a, a wonderful interwoven relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this mystical thing that we don't understand or comprehend. He was fully content, fully satisfied, fully glorious, never to decease, to decay, never to improve, never to regress, like fully holy, perfect, and as great and awesome and all-knowing and as all-powerful and all-loving and all-merciful as he ever would and ever could be. No need for any improvement. Yeah. That's the God we serve, the God that never needed to improve and never mm -hmm. will. Not the God that grows hungry and tired. Yeah. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't doze off. He doesn't have hunger pains. But he demands moral perfection. And he knows just as much as he expresses. We don't have that in us. Yeah. So he's not saying, you better get it. He's saying, submit to me and I will clean you up. But that cleaning process won't be finalized on this here earth. That gets that gets transformed incredibly once we actually die and we're we're face yeah. to face with God. If we have a right relationship with God because we've believed on the cross of Christ, then God God works this incredible work in us, this relationship with us while we're here on earth. And once we die, it's over. Yeah. And he's not gonna evaluate, oh, you weren't perfect enough. We were never gonna be perfect enough. Exactly but we've been deemed perfect because of the mm -hmm. righteous life of Jesus Christ. And we've been deemed forgiven because of the full penalty payment of Jesus Christ on the cross. So our sins are forgiven and our heart is viewed as perfect, not, not realistically wise, but judgment wise, like Christ took our place yeah. and we took his place. And it's like he paid on the penalty and lived a perfect life. We are, are deemed righteous and clean and forgiven. So, Anybody that says you got to work something off, it's like if Jesus Christ on his cross didn't pay the sin, the sin of the world, yeah. if he didn't fully atone us, then what on earth are we living for? Yeah. Just minimal atonement? Like, mm -hmm. what is that? That's like saying I could pay your debt, but you still got to pay your debt. That doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. So either Jesus was actually the lamb that takes the sin of the world, or he wasn't. Mm-hmm. That's my problem with. Yeah, and that's, that's one of my problems with Roman Catholicism and their false teaching. Yeah, and it's and it really does prey on the sensitive situation too. Just, just the fact that because um, I got to witness it a little bit um, before my grandmother from my mom's side before she passed away. Um, yeah, when they brought that death priest. Yeah. Oh, I did tell you about that. Yeah, and everybody in the family they got couple dollar bills and a couple 20s and they gave it to the priest and, and i'm just like that's that's not it like yeah you don't I, pay your way into this yeah thing. i'm like how 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 does that priest take it and feel good about that you know what i mean it's like it's a very tough situation my my grandmother's terribly sick and and you're giving us a blessing it was bad because my mom she just walked off like she she wanted to say so much and, yeah. and and i just i wanted to see it though but yeah it's 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 putting faith on a very flawed man you know the bible describes man as just a wicked thing and people are putting their faith on that yeah on the pope on some saint that died many years ago uh, uh that's there's nothing eternal there's nothing powerful about man other than i guess the wickedness how far we can go in our wickedness it's like no you put your faith in jesus christ the ultimate you know being because he was perfect here on earth and never sinned and his sacrifice on the cross was what satisfied the wrath of god and and people 
don't hear that when it comes to death or when you go to a funeral from somebody that didn't die in the faith. Um, because all you hear are words of, of just comfort or uh, maybe it's mean to say it this way, but just lies. You know, they'll, they'll say, oh, this person is up in, in heaven now and he's watching down over us or or this person is now our, our guardian angel. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've heard it all. And it's it's as the more I've, I've dived into the word of God and the more I understand uh, it's, I, I want to say more against it, but it's it's tough because you're in that that sensitive situation. Yeah, you know, you don't want to tell somebody, oh, this, you know, the family member's burning in hell. Yeah. You don't want to say that, but you definitely want to uh, give them a warning and present the truth. Yeah. You know, because ultimately, this is where we're all going to end up. If if Christ doesn't come back uh, first, this is what we're all subject to, and it could happen at any moment. Yeah. You know, you can be uh, live all the way up to your 80, 90 years old, like my grandmother from my father's side, wonderful woman, uh, died in Christ. That wo- woman lived and breathed Bible and had any moment she, she had with you, she was going to talk about the Bible. You know, you, what a wonderful life, 90 years and serving God to the very end. Or you might just only live five years. You know what I mean? You could be a five-year-old and pass away. Yeah. Death has no... Uh, respect for age it's going to come to you when god determines so it's important to talk about it while the person is living and and conscious enough to hear the word of god yeah you know i think the the way that the regular dialogue continues throughout our societies and Mm -hmm. culture it's as if the idea of death is so minimized yeah until it's a huge tragedy and then there's this big effort to try to prevent it. So you got COVID, people die, and now everyone's hustling to make it impossible to die. And you got a shooting, people die, and everyone's doing everything they can to prevent people from dying. Yeah. And it's like, it's as if we have this view that first, no one's ever gonna die, yeah. so live your life. It's all about your life, enjoy your life, your joys and happiness, live it to the fullest, sleep with who you want, smoke and drink whatever you want, yeah. get hammered, say what you want to your boss, you'll get another job. Like there's this kind of free your inhibitions mentality. There's this, you know, live your best life now and live it to the fullest and just do as you please. Just like the demonic statements, like the, uh-huh. what is it? The satanic Bible or the book of saints says, you know, do what thou wilt. Mm. It's the staying. And it's like, that's, that's what I think it's Anton LaVey. He's the one that wrote it, and it's basically saying, do whatever you want. There's nobody mm-hmm. guarding you. There's nobody watching you or judging you. Just do whatever you want. Whatever you want. What a destructive it statement. It is, but it's yeah. it's it's the statement of the world right now. Yeah. And it's funny that people think they're either not going to die, and when they think they are, they think they can prevent it. Now, there's obviously preventative measures for catastrophes and horrible acts. Right. But we don't prevent our own mortality. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not the case. And striving to just striving to make that a possible reality is a waste of life because that means your entire life purpose is not going to amount to anything. I mean, imagine living your whole life for something that really doesn't matter because it didn't work and it won't. Like trying to say, you know, I'm going to prevent my death. Yeah. What? That's what you're living for? 
Mm-hmm. Like you got you got a life, you got gifts, you got skills, you got articulation, you got your education, you got your background, you got all of your history, the stuff that makes you who you are based on your based on your surroundings and based on whatever's in you. It's like you got room to repent, room to get right. Mm-hmm. And you have all of these characteristics that make you an individual and a unique person. And you're going to devote yourself to trying to not fade away when everyone fades away? Yeah. Like you're going to devote yourself to not using your gifts and skills productively? Because someone told you that you're going to die and you're so scared you're running away from it. It's like, stop mm-hmm. running away from it. There, there's a difference between non-Christians and Christians. Yeah. Now, there's people in other religions that have false hope. And I'm sad for that. They're falsely believing that they're going to be all right. And they're in trouble because mm-hmm. their sins have never been atoned for. They're going to face God and they, they are a slate of dirtiness, morally speaking, in their hearts. And they're all going to face the God that doesn't accept any dirt. Mm-hmm. It's like they're going to say, I'm fine. Look at me. I'm clean. And he's going to say, are you? You're full of it. You're full of dirt yeah. and muck and you can't come in and there's no more cleaning process now. Like this is not where you get purged. Mm-hmm. Your purging would have been spiritually, metaphorically, and uh, incidentally accomplished through Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Like that would have been your purging. Like he would have paid for your sins if you would have received him and repented towards him and obeyed the gospel and confessed your sin and trusted in him before you died. But afterwards, it's the judgment. Man is called once to die and then the judgment, not once to die and then to say sorries and see if you could skip judgment. So there's so many people that have false hope, but, but it's like Christians are the ones, if they're devout, meaning they trust the word and they actually get into the word and have their confidence rightly uh, positioned, they're not ultimately afraid of death. They shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And if they are, they're anxious for no reason. Yeah. They're, they're paying attention to the wrong things. It's like, but it, I'm, not a, I'm not like this extra super sophisticated Christian. So I'm not saying, hey, look, you got to get on my level. It's like, no, all you have to do is get into the word and stop taking it out of context. Read yeah. the whole thing. Read it regularly because God says you need it and he's not lying. He's not playing jokes. He's not saying, you know, for the, for the cavemen, the word was important. But for you with your iPhones and your Facebooks and your scrollings, you don't <laughs> need the word as much. Yeah. You just need a TEDx talk. No. You don't need an Oprah Winfrey conversation. She's going to feed you lies. Yeah. You don't need a TEDx talk. That's just a bunch of people giving their opinions and everyone applauds it, even if it's about pedophilia. Yeah. Like, you don't need that. That's not going to give you anything. That's going to rob you of your own of your own reason to think through and kind of articulate things. Because if someone from a stage is telling you everything and their views are are twisted and they change and they they evolve with with the world views in in such a great way as to even re-identify a gender i mean those aren't healthy views how could you change something that's so internalized that right. it affects every part of your 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 life and your body even your thinking i mean the chemicals that swirl around within your body are, are directed by your hormones how can you how can you put your confidence in someone that says those hormones are wrong yeah they they were wrongly given to you you need to change them. So here's a pill and here's a shot. And keep taking these because you need these things to re-engineer your own life because you've been made wrong. It's like, mm-hmm. no, no. Um, but there's, there's so many people that they avoid the important topic of death because they either think they're not going to come to that place yeah. or they can beat it. But Christians that have their, their lives founded on the Word of God, they actually realize the depth, the richness, the wonder, the incredibility of it. They shouldn't have any fear of facing their king. Yep. The, the most fearful thing is to be a lukewarm, worldly Christian. That should be mm-hmm. fearful. 
I mean, to even have that, that question of, am I actually following him? And to be able to look at your life and say, oh, not biblically, I'm not. Mm-hmm. That should bring fear and repentance yeah. into an actual Christian's life. That should bring repentance and faith into a non-Christian's life. But, but if someone says, I, I know I'm following him. I have all these, all these stumblings, all these struggles. It's like, but I know I'm following him. Like, here's what his word says, and I'm not, I'm not fighting against that. I'm not trying to make excuses. And when I do, I know I repent, and I'm really working towards him. Like, mm-hmm. I see him working in my heart. He's building my character. I see my life being more and more formed into the image of Christ. All faults and all that, but it doesn't matter. I know it. I see it. The Bible will approve that I am being held by the power of God through faith, and I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. The Bible is showing me this, and I'm not taking it out of context. I have confidence because the Scripture says it, mm-hmm. the Word accomplishes it, and the Spirit is moving me. Like, I see it. That Christian should not be afraid of someone saying, hey, today you're going to die. That Christian yeah. should say, oh, my <laughs> you could almost say, I can't wait. <laughs> it's like, I can't wait. I'm excited. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I won't be able to finish this and that, but it's like, uh, it? maybe one more conversation with someone because I'm yeah. ready to go. Like, there should be this desire to say, okay, like, wow, I get to see him. Was like, it was it Peter or Paul that said, uh, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain? Yeah, it's Paul. That was Paul, yeah. yeah. And, and that... That should be a very true statement in any Christian. Yeah. You know, you live for Christ. You know, you live to to preach His word. You live to live out His word, uh, and then when you die, it's it's finally you're you, with the Creator. You you're cash with, out. Yeah, you're with the one who who saved you yeah. from your own sin, from damnation, and that kind of leads me to to the next point uh, that I wanted to talk about was. Um, in the world view of death, nobody goes to hell except the Hitlers of this yeah. world, except the, the worst of the worst. Those are the only ones that go to hell. Everybody else goes to heaven. And there's disagreements about who would and who wouldn't yeah. go. So and there's no definitive statement there either. I have a, uh, I had a friend who passed away, I think, I want to say like four years ago. Uh, he's a friend that I grew up with in church, but he stepped away from church and it was very unfortunate. He pursued a gang life and he was in and out of prison several times, addicted to drugs, the whole nine yards. Um, anytime he would visit or anytime I would see him, I, I would just preach to him and, and, you know, call him to repentance, but he never did. And, uh, he was killed in a stabbing at a party. No, I, he was shot. Yeah, he was shot at a at a party. And, um, you know, sometime after his, his funeral, I scrolled his Facebook and I, ha- I saw all these posts that um, people just saying, uh, oh, you're now my guardian angel or uh, I see you uh, <laughs> some along the lines of, uh, you know, having a, a sip for, for me up there mm-hmm. in heaven or yeah. uh, things of that nature. And I'm like, we all know right and wrong and we all know this man did not live correctly i mean this guy was was selling drugs and and getting into fights and and just committing crimes stealing what have you and and you're able to say he is now in heaven it, it just i can see the worldview that there is no hell 
almost, yeah. you know? And I think even in some Christian circles, there's people that say, oh, I don't believe in hell, Christ, supposed Christians. And, uh, and that's, that's just wild to me because we know right and wrong and we know that God is going to punish the wrong. You know that even on a basic level, you don't even have to really go into the Bible that much that you know evil will, is, is punished or evil is, is bad and it's going to lead you nowhere good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I see that and, and I want to so much preach against that because um, that's what what we see. And to be able to bring it up, you know, in a in a good articulate way, uh, I, I mean, I, I think we have that responsibility to articulate it. Um, I've been able to, you know, I'm grateful that I was able to speak at my grandmother's funeral, the one that passed away as a as a faithful woman in Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very grateful that I, I was given the time to speak and to uh, point to Christ. I said, this is the the God our grandmother served. And I know we know that she is in heaven and her life uh, demonstrated that she had Christ in her, you know what about you? Mm-hmm. You know, does your, is your, are you living out the faith? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? What evidence do you have of that? You know, are you doing whatever you please or are you trying to please the Lord? Um, and, and, and it was, I, I know for some, maybe it was received and they did. They just rejected. But I know there's some family members. I had a couple of uncles that were like, you know what? What you said, it just, it really spoke to me. You know, because it, it's true. And and they'll say, I'm I'm not perfect. And it, and then from there, it just it opens up a door, and you could really dive into it. But I think as Christians, we have that responsibility, and we can't omit the topic of death, and we can't omit the topic of hell, or heaven. Everybody wants heaven, but nobody wants to talk about hell. What, what what I find is interesting is I've been to several funerals after becoming a Christian, so I know the life and death uh, balances. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've felt led in both of those to open up from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2. And Ecclesiastes 7, 2 says, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, mm-hmm. because that is the end of every man and the living takes it to heart that's basically saying look at the casket Mm. there's someone dead in there yeah and it's like usually what i find at funerals is every other speaker that i've witnessed so far overemphasizes the life lived and the current apparently living situation of that person that is deceased so Mm -hmm. even when they are gone there is this He's with us. He's 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 having a great time. He's in a good place. He's yeah. like it's as if the entire the only the only morning is I just wish he was closer. I wish I could see him, but I know he's still here. So it's like there's this minimal minimal reference to the fact that that person, whoever it is, is no longer there. Mm-hmm. But there's this like overcoming of that with the but he's still kind of here and everything's okay we're just going to miss seeing that person but we know he's still here he's going to be fully involved in our lives we can pray to him we can do this so it's like there's a casket with an a finalized life in it no spirit 
no soul just yeah. body like we see the we see the the end of a life mm-hmm. and we're we're pretending like it didn't end it not saying that we really think it doesn't end but it's like no one says hey look look at this there's death in front of us this is the end so yeah. when i see that section of scripture i'm like this is one of the most necessary things to say like hey we're we're in a place where we're remembering someone died someone ended mm-hmm. something's done and whether it was in a hopeful or less than hopeful circumstance whatever the case is like we're we're, we're looking at a body that we can't even necessarily hang on to for much longer because it'll start to decay like we're actually looking at that we're staring yeah. in the face of the end and everyone that's here that's alive should really think like that's gonna be me one day definitely sooner than i hoped or think mm-hmm. because no one expects when they're gonna die it happens yeah. sooner than later yeah. for many people yeah. i mean people that are like 100 something years old are still saying ah oh, when i live to 120 <laughs> those people are nuts but yeah. it's like what hopes yeah 110 year old doesn't even come to that conclusion saying i'm at the end yeah <laughs> that's nuts it's like yeah you've been at the end you've been at the end twice over compared to most people in this world most <laughs> people don't live past 50 here you are 110 saying you got 10 more years yeah you're a hopeful mm-hmm. that's good to be hopeful but what i'm saying is like it's like we don't realize we're staring death in the face yeah and as as a as an ambulance driver i mean i know what it means to transport a seven month old mm-hmm. i'm sorry six month old seven o'clock in the morning dead to the hospital i know what that means mm-hmm. i know what it means to see the parents ripped to pieces while we drive away it's like i know that that's seven that's six months old yeah why do we not think we face death or, or we're staring it in the face yeah. every moment of our lives mm-hmm. seven month old or six yeah. month old whatever it's like that little child didn't think I don't know what that child thought. Six months, what are you really thinking? Right. But it's like, the child's gone. That child faced death. And here we are walking, talking, breathing, thinking, articulating, speaking, careering. We're, we're doing things. We're making a living. We're living lives. We're having families. We're, we're prospering in certain ways. We're struggling. We're expressing ourselves. And we think that death isn't facing us. It's yeah. like there's enough people that are younger than us that are less articulate, less developed, and we, we know they're gone, so why, why are we so ignorant of this? Yeah. Why do we choose to just totally bypass this really important, final, and completely effective thought, death happens? Mm-hmm. Like it's completely effective. No one can say, eh, not me. I'm yeah. just not going to go there. Yeah, no, You're I, not going to go there. Yeah, I think it happens a lot, too, with like young people. You, know? you get those, those teenage years or young adults and... Uh, you really do think, and I used to hear this all the time. You know, you guys think you're invisible, in- invincible. Invisible? <laughs> well, maybe for some in some aspects. With yeah, the, the way they, they do, do some yeah. Stuff, <laughs> but invincible, and and it's it's dangerous, yeah. you know, because then they're like, you know, they have this invincibility complex, and then they're gonna go live life to the fullest, and end up killing themselves. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and it happens all the time. And or they start habits in their youth that they can't let go of later on. Yeah. I know a lot of people that are started with addiction at a young age. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up with a crowd of drug users. I was one of the biggest drug users. And that was like 12, 13 years old. If mm-hmm. you look at a 12, 13 year old right now, I'm like, how on earth did I get a hold of drugs 
how did I walk up mm-hmm. to a 30-year-old when I looked like that little kid and that 30-year-old literally took my money and gave me drugs? Yeah. Like, what is wrong with this world? When I yeah. look at that, I'm like, I'm blown away. I see little kids, I'm like, my kid's like 10 years old. They're like, that's 13. What? Mm-hmm. I bought drugs on the street from someone at that age? Yeah. A grown adult gave me drugs. They looked at me and didn't say, go back to your parents. Like, they actually received my money. Like, mm-hmm. what is wrong with people? What was wrong with me? Mm-hmm. What on earth was wrong with the person that gave me that stuff? But those habits and those those impulses and those coping mechanisms of drug use and diluting my feelings and making myself feel better when I didn't actually work through any of my issues and never dealing with depression, anxiety, and anger, actually just bypassing it by taking a drug and lifting up my emotions, that carried over all the way through my military career, through everything until Christ brought me down to the floor at 23 years old in 2012. Until then, I didn't know anything about dealing with anxiety. I didn't know Mm -hmm. anything about dealing with depression and anger. I didn't even know I had those issues. I never would have announced it like, I got anxiety issues. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't think I did. I just said, I need a blunt. Yeah. Give me a drink. I need a pill. Like, I just need to party. My life answer was, I just need to party. I need to let loose. And people do that now. They Mm -hmm. work for five days a week. Some people, they use drugs or they, they drink or to, to get their feelings better. They, they do that. They medicate themselves throughout the week. But a lot of people, they kind of like, they, 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 Monday is their worst day because they know they got a long week ahead of them. And Friday is their best day because they know after work, it doesn't matter yeah. what happened, they're going to let loose. They're going to get as drunk as they can. They're going to sleep with whoever they want. They're going to party. They're going to dress like a peacock. They're going to talk smack. They're going to just be all that they are. It's scared to see what some people become on Friday. Yeah. You see them on Monday, you see them drowsy. Tuesday, you kind of see where they're at, a little mm-hmm. bit level, like, okay, the weekend's over, it's real life. Yeah. Friday, it's like a different monster. And it's yeah. kind of scary. It's like, well, what happened to you? Why are you so lively? Why are you saying those things? Like, yeah. they, they aren't necessarily hated words, but it's like sometimes you could see someone on Tuesday and Friday and see them letting loose on Friday, and you'll be like, yo, dude, different you're person. so different. Yeah. But that's them letting go of everything they've been suppressing throughout the week. Mm-hmm. And so many people do that. They suppress themselves for five days. So work stinks because they're not even being themselves Mm -hmm. because they don't know how to deal with their stuff and friday is the day to feel good Mm -hmm. and saturday is the day to feel good and sunday is the day to recuperate and rehydrate so they could actually come to work on monday that's life that's what people are doing right now yeah it's like those habits when you start them at a young age they sometimes kill you later on and i've seen that happen a lot a lot of people at my age 30 31 32 33 they're dying from what they started doing at 13 years old yeah and the only reason i have not died of that is because christ rescued me 10 years ago if he wouldn't have i would have been one of the first people dead off some of that stuff that we started using was it 18 years ago Mm -hmm. so it's like whatever kind of view of invincibility we have at a young age if that isn't corrected and disciplined and rightly directed if our parents really let us just do as we please as long as we get good grades and as long as we don't talk back in 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 class or 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 to them but we can have free reign over our cell phones and over everything like with no supervision no parental guidance no if do you like how bad and how horrible of a habit can we start behind our parents Mm -hmm. backs and it doesn't matter if you start something bad really bad you can pause it for 10 years mm. and it'll kill you on year 11 because it'll come back. It'll yeah. come back like an, like a monster. Yeah. And that's what I see. A lot of people, they start something terrible, like a bad habit, bad addiction. They mm-hmm. pause for some years. I mean, I paused when I was in the military. Mm-hmm. Can't use drugs. 
I paused. When I got out, I almost died because I went right back into it full force. Yeah. And Christ rescued me. Four years is a long time to be sober. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah. I came back like a monster. Yeah. It's like you said, you know, suppressing it. Yeah. You know, it's like Monday through Friday, you suppress it. But now imagine four years of suppression. I, yeah, I could definitely see yeah. that. And I could also see where at some point that whole feel good on the weekends be all you can be on the weekend at some point that even that's not enough yeah it grows old because yeah it yeah it grows old and then whatever skeletons you have in your closet they're only piling up more and more and more uh eventually you see a somebody taking their life in their own hands you know they're like you know what i'm done with this there's not enough drugs in this world that are that are keeping me happy. There's not enough women that I'm sleeping with. There's not enough men that I'm sleeping with. Uh, I just I can't deal with this. I'm taking my life into my own hands. I think it's the the surprise is when people take their own lives. And I I mean I've attempted suicide two times at least um, officially. Mm-hmm. There were some unofficial times where I was like I'm just gonna cross the street and I'll look both ways. Die if I die. Like there were some really careless moments, uh-huh. but there were some like I'm taking all of these pills of Tylenol, like four or five bottles worth. I know this will kill me. I don't know how long it's going to take, but it's going to kill me. And then I had to have my stomach pumped. I ended up in a psych ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like I I know I've tried to hang myself. The rope broke. So it's like I know I know official times that I tried. So mm-hmm. when I know what I see is when people actually kill themselves. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot. It's happening with celebrities. It's, happen- it's happening in the public eye a lot, but it happens a lot under, of course. like, under covers. I don't know what well, you call it. It's, like, just under the radar. Well, you know, in my experience working in prison, it happens in prison, too. Okay. You know? So and it happens there, too. Yeah, just recently at, at work, we had an inmate hang himself. Okay. And bad. I'm blown away by how that's even made possible sometimes. Like, oh. all the restrictions, all the attempts to try to protect, and we just can't. Mm. But what, I, what I'm surprised, well, I'm not surprised at, but I see it's constantly happening. When somebody does take their own life, in many cases, um, there isn't this story of bullying. Not in, not in every case. There are, there are bullies that lead to suicide with other children. There are mm-hmm. horrible circumstances, this and right. that, whatever it is. But there's so many cases when people are just saying, like, I am blown away. Like, this person was the life of the party. Yeah. This person was the joy of every circle. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, if you kind of view it in the way that I, I think we could view it, we'd understand why. Why was that person the life of the party? How many parties did that person go to? What was this person's whole life? Was yeah. it was it one party after another? Was it one great big social gathering after another? Who who knows? But that may very well have been their coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like the entire time, they're sprucing up all of life, and they're never dealing with the depressing moments. Right. So it's like they're they're funny and they're genuinely funny, but do they know what it means to not be funny? Like, do they know what it means to not laugh? Is everything a joke? Because sometimes when everything's a joke, it's because someone needs to find funny in something because nothing's yeah. really funny inside. Mm-hmm. So it's like sometimes we look at it like, man, that guy's always so funny. It's like I would talk to that guy, not because it's bad or criminal to be funny, but if something's always a joke, like even times when it's like it's not even a probe, it's like, why are you making a joke of that? It's like, who knows? Maybe this is their way of saying I'm dead inside and I'm just going to I'm going to laugh as much as I can. Yeah. And I'm going to make everything funny and I might get very good at it and I might be the class clown. But it's like sometimes a class clown is depressed and later dies. Yeah. So we sometimes don't realize that sometimes people that are the life of the party, they're not going there to just hang out anymore. They're going there because that's their only hope. 
And then at that point when you talked about like it runs dry, mm -hmm. it no longer works. That's when those depressing days come and when possible suicide takes place. Yeah. And people will be like, he was at every party. It's like, exactly. He was at every party. Mm. Who needs to go to every party unless right. someone that needs to feel good every day or that often? So mm -hmm. we, we kind of don't look at things that way sometimes. I don't know if psychologists or, or, or uh, therapists, they kind of view it or counselors. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's as if we don't take these clues. People say, oh, you, you got to see the cues. You got to see these little warnings. The warnings, the warnings can kind of fly under the radar too. If you just think that someone looks looks okay and happy on the outside, well, people, it's like, yeah, people are are very good at wearing a mask. Oh yeah, I know? wore a mask my whole life. I yeah. mean, my whole life was a lie. I, had, I I was using, I was moving, I was giving, I was abusing drugs. Mm -hmm. I mean, every conversation had to be a lie. Every person I ever met, I mean, I almost always had a pack of cigarettes, and inside that pack of cigarettes, at least maybe five or six of those were actually marijuana rolled. Like they mm -hmm. weren't actually cigarettes. They were just rolled into cigarettes so I could smoke them in public and look like I'm smoking a cigarette, oh. but I'm actually smoking weed. So it's like, I was regularly high and needed to use. I either had a pill, I had some powder in my pocket, I had something in my nose, or I had, I had, I had weed with me. So my yeah. entire life, everything I did, I was high. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was smoked up, I, I had something, like I blew up my nose, I drank something, I popped a pill. It's like whatever it was, no conversation that I had was regularly sober. It was always under some influence yeah. until I was in the military for four years. So that was the most sober time of my life. Mm. From 12 years old until 23, the most sober years were my military years, mm -hmm. even though I would get drunk. It was right. like the most sober years. And that's incredible when you think about it. I mean, from 12 to 23, those are your brain development stages. <laughs> Yeah. And I smoked and popped and blew and drank everything I could to the max. It's like, well, uh, I should have I ended up with major disabilities. Mm, by the grace of God. By the grace <laughs> of God. Yeah. And it's like, some, some do. Some end up with horrible outcomes. Mm. But, but yeah, I just, I, I, don't, I don't realize uh, I mean, how I mean, much people kind of, sorry, how much people kind of like lower the importance of, death and the reality yeah. and the imminence of it until I'm kind of surrounded by it. I'm surrounded by it because I work hand in hand with the rehab sometimes here in town. Uh, I'm surrounded because I go to funerals and it's like, I see it Yeah. as an ambulance driver. It's like, I see it. I mean, what, what life do we have to live to really pretend like this, this is not going to come to us one day. Mm -hmm. It's like, and it's not serious. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, depending on i mean everybody is subject to death every single one of us christian non-christian um but definitely where your sins can take you can take you to death much quicker yeah um that is why you know the importance of speaking about death truthfully uh, i think it's a it's an eye-opener for a lot of people I, we were talking earlier before we started recording you know about your last uh experience the last funeral you mm -hmm. went to and yeah. uh, it seemed based on what you were telling me that a lot of these people were kind of like opening up like their eyes were opening up about death yeah for the first time and really considering what that means to die yeah you know because again in this world that's all you see is death isn't that bad because either there's no hell or you're automatically going to become an angel or because of the Catholic belief, you'll have time to get right with God and go to heaven anyway. 
you know what I mean? But the real implications of death is that's it. It's an abrupt stop. And if your faith isn't right and is it and it isn't upon Christ, there's no more hope. Your hope is while you're living. Yeah. While you're living, you have the chance, the opportunity, the hope to come to Christ. Soon as that is that's over, that's it. Yeah. And that is that's a terrifying thing. It should be. It, and it's not to say, you know, to scare you into a belief, but it, it should scare you enough to wake up and really consider, you know, is is my life devoted to Christ? Because that is the only way to heaven. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if we're going to get into it or not, but I mean, the only real way into heaven is, is through Jesus Christ. And I don't know enough about other religions. I just know the, the truth of Christ. And I know that... Uh, uh, the the it, it, the word of God backs up itself, and uh, and yeah, I, I mean, it's only through Christ. He said it himself. You know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And and we really got to consider that. Yeah, and we really got to bring that up to non-believers or those that have some kind they dabbed a little bit in the word of god i think uh in my experience I, i've had some successful conversations with somebody who who says they're catholic so they they understand god to a certain extent uh but never again never really dive deep into it mm-hmm. you know and then when you actually open up the bible and you you read scripture for what it is to them that's like oh it's it's almost like they're hearing the word of god for the first time in their entire life yeah Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always excited to to look forward to future conversations with my kids so right now the only one that's really talking is my eight-year-old she's about to be nine and wow. um my five-year-old i don't know she's she's figuring out how to talk we're i i, I guess i had a a different rate of learning with mm-hmm. my oldest like by by three she was talking by five we were already talking about things like legit Six and seven, it's like everything. My five-year-old, a four-year-old about to be five, she's just taking her time, I guess. So I can't have like coherent conversations with her uh, at all. So I can't open a Bible and go anywhere with it at all, Mm. at all. So for me, that's really tough because I want to go places with my kids. I want to really lead them in this. So for me, the most uh, tense thing is that I can't do that with someone yet. And I'm waiting. We'll see how this progresses. But it it's not, it's like once your kids are capable of kind of comprehending and talking through things, once they know that they've messed up and they know what wrong is, what lying is, um, once you're able to kind of work through those things, you can start preaching the entirety of God's word. And you don't have to hide it. You don't have to tell them about, you know, Jonah in the, Jonah in the whale. You don't have to tell them about um, Noah and the ark. You got to tell them about the sin of Jonah and the people that died outside of the ark. Like you could yeah. tell them about the millions of people that drowned to death because they refused to submit to and trust the warnings of God. You could yeah. tell them about the dead people outside the boat. You don't have to tell them about all the pretty animals in the zoo on top of Noah's boat. Right. So we, 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 we overly simplify things that are incredibly important because Noah and the ark makes no sense if there is no judgment and mm-hmm. death. It makes absolutely no sense. Jesus and the cross makes no sense if people don't go to hell. Right. Because the death penalty makes no sense if there isn't death afterwards. So the fact that Jesus was put on a cross makes no sense if people didn't reject God and say, I refuse to believe this. Like, 
the cross doesn't make sense without death, without punishment, without evil people. So none of the stories of the Bible make any sense. Um, the parting of the Red Sea makes no sense if the people uh, didn't drive these, if, if the Egyptians, out of their evil, didn't reject God and drive the Israelites, the soon-to-be Israelites, out of uh, safety to the sea and God part of the sea. If, if there was no ten plagues beforehand in Egypt, I mean, the, the whole... The whole blood of the lamb on the doorpost doesn't make any sense right. if if the children of Egypt didn't die, the firstborns. So none of yeah. the stories of the Bible make any sense if you don't see where it's going. Mm -hmm. So we have to be able to work through this. And I'm able to work through with my daughter regularly. And I'm going to instill it more and more. Not beat it into her head, but I'm, I'm right. going to continue to find that God is graceful and always giving these incredible opportunities. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm, I'm regularly bringing up like, you know, who is Christ and where do we, where do we go when we die? And, and, and she's able to slowly start articulating like, well, if we have a right, if we're right with Christ, if we believe in Jesus, we go to heaven. If not, yeah. I'm like, if not, then where? It's like to hell. I'm like, yeah. why to hell? And, and then I'll work through all these different questions. I'll be like, well, well, who really deserves to go to heaven? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm bringing her to these correct answers. Like, so if she ever says for some reason, like, you know, Christians like, no, no, who deserves it? Who's actually good? in all that all that they are and there she'll she'll be able to conclude like well none of us i'm like so who really deserves to go to heaven and she'll say mm -hmm. no one like correct so why do we get to go to heaven because jesus paid for our sins mm -hmm. and i want to work through these things because i want her to see whenever she messes up i'll be like she'll she'll sometimes complain saying that's not fair like her sister gets something she doesn't get that's not fair i'm like honey what's fair really She's like, judgment. I'm like, yes, judgment is fair. <laughs> fair is that we always get caught every time we do something wrong. Fair is not that we get away with sometimes and Bobo doesn't. Fair is everybody gets exactly what they deserve. And what do we really deserve? And then we go back to the gospel. Yeah. So it's like, it's important to be able to work through this, that one day we will die. And I can't be giving my, my kid like cupcakes and rainbows for breakfast in, 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 her, in her morality training and expect for her to realize that she needs the cross. Yeah. And I can't expect any other kid to, to have that, to need uh, cupcakes and rainbows, thinking that they're gonna come to this place of I'm 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 a depraved sinner yeah. in my heart from day one, yeah. and I see it more and more as I get mature. Like kids disobey their parents in a natural way, not to the worst of the worst. They're not all bad kids, but they disobey their parents naturally, and it's like, like naturally. Said, yeah. So it's like we don't have to prove to our kids; we just show it to them. Like, hey, why did you disobey me? You know, I didn't want to, but why did you disobey me? I didn't want to do that. Why did you do what I told you not to do? I didn't want to do what you... Okay. God says disobedience to your parents is sin. In the Old Testament, they would be put to death because God wanted to show us how severe this is. Not because God wants to kill every little kid, but because God is saying sin is severe. It's not just against your parents. It's against God. Mm -hmm. When we begin to show our kids like, hey, you sin against me, even though you say you love me, and I believe you do, but you still sin against me. Yeah. So that sin needs to be dealt with because God can't allow sin in this world without judging it. Otherwise, he's an evil God that allows evil and doesn't care about it. Yeah. So there's this need to talk about life and death, even with our children. And there's a right and a mature and a careful and a timely way to do it. But avoiding the topic is so dangerous because yeah. then our kids are going to think that they're, they're entitled to everything because mm -hmm. they're good. It's like, oh, what is good? Like yeah. work through this stuff. And yeah. Or nothing yeah. bad will happen or, you know, not, or I don't deserve anything bad to happen to me because I'm good. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be the mentality as well. It's it's something that I, I struggled with uh, growing up as a Christian. I'm like, I'm a Christian. Why are bad things even happen to me? And, you know, and I look back 
uh, everything that happened in my life, I'm like, man, it, that was a lot of bad stuff. But I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful yeah. because God worked me through it. There's there's some a lot of growth that happened through it all. And um, I find it interesting uh, that you're able to have that conversation with your with your daughter. Uh, I think it's, you know, like you said, it's important to be able to bring it up to talk about death. Uh, definitely a right way and a wrong way of doing it because I've heard the wrong way. You know, it's like it, it can't be just do it because I said so. And and I just read, you know, yesterday uh, a Philemon when uh, Paul uh, was telling uh, Philemon to receive Onesimus. Uh, I'll just read it real quick. Uh, accordingly, accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I mean, that's just, that's wonderful right there. You know, because Paul had all the authority and the capability to just say, you know what, take Onesimus back because I said so. Mm -hmm. But instead he appealed to him, you know, out of love, out of the transformation that that God does in the life of a Christian. And I think it's that that's what I mean when we talk about death and when we bring it up to somebody, you know, it's not to scare them about hell, but to really tell them like, hey, you know, after this, you know, you, you have no more hope. But look, you're alive right now, you know, and, and the fact that I'm talking to you is no coincidence. God is trying to reach out to you. Mm -hmm. This is the this is the work of Christ, you know, that he came, he lived, he lived out a perfect life and he died on the cross for your sins, for 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 all of our sins. You know, not one of us is good. Yeah. Not a single one of us, you know, there's people that appear to be good, but they're struggling with something. There's sin is active in everyone's life, you know, because nobody's perfect. doesn't matter what kind of mask they put on or what kind of picture they, they yeah. present. You know, some, some of those uh, people that go to every party probably look like some of the best people, you know, it's like, oh man, it's always such a good time with this person. I'm, you know, every time I'm around this person, it's like the, the, they are the life of the party and I, I get so happy, but behind closed doors, you know, what happens when nobody's around? Yeah. You know, when they're by themselves, when they're in their own thoughts, you know, and, and that goes not just for the party people, but even for some so-called, you know, Christians, you know, what happens in closed doors? What happens when they're alone? You know, sin is there. And it is always a struggle and is always a, a temptation. And the only hope we have against this sin is Jesus Christ, his work. You put it on him. You, you, you put that evil on the cross. And, and as a Christian, you don't want to sin. You might stumble here and there. But as you said earlier, there is this growth and, and you can see God actively moving, changing and, 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 and uh, guiding you along the way. And it's it's a wonderful and at the same time uh what's the word i guess uh eye-opening thing when you see how wicked you really are to the even the smallest extent yeah but there is that grace and to be able to tell that to somebody you know at a funeral i think that's a that's a wonderful thing mm -hmm. to be able to talk about that like yeah you know here lies a dead body whether christian or not you know this is where we're going to end up. But look at this grace. Look at this hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I remember 
I, I saved it. I want to read through one day, but it's, I don't know if it's a hundred or what it's labeled, but some of the, some of the top atheists or non-believers, oh, the I, final last yeah, words. Yeah, I saw that you, you for, shared or that. Or not, not, not necessarily the very final last, for some of them it might have been, might have been the actual final last uh-huh. words, but it's like some of the last statements mm-hmm. uh, or some of the last public statements made by world famous or popular atheists or non-believers and i I remember reading through some of them i want to read through the whole thing one day but i feel like i'll get depressed (laughs) but it's like they're all hopeless and it's it's kind of surprising to get a whole list of people whose names are so well known they've written so many books science books this that um to see that as their end condition like Mm -hmm. total hopelessness yeah and it's surprising it's i know why but but it's like maybe the world needs to see this. Like, hey, um, I'm not saying we're all exactly the same, but if if someone is so adamantly fighting for a certain position on morality and life and existentialism and what life is about, to see that others who are famous for those views have those thoughts ruminating in their hearts and minds at yeah. some of the last final moments of their life, shouldn't that kind of like get some perspective going like, hey, I'm following this person's footsteps, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to strive to accomplish what they accomplished, but this is what they felt yeah. and thought in their last moments. Uh, like, you know, they would have statements, something along the lines of, like, I just feel nothing but darkness closing over me. Yeah. And I can't crawl out, and I don't know what to do. Like, what a hopeless place to be. Mm-hmm. And I hope somebody was there to preach the gospel in the last moment. I, right. I'd hope, but in some of those cases, like the last things they did is curse Christ. Yeah. Some of them, I, I read some of them where, uh, I'm not going to quote it word for word, but it was something along the lines of, I'm, I'm terrified because I know there's, there's more after this. Um, some of them, because uh, I, I read through some of those quotes and yeah, it's, there is this hopelessness and some of them realize that what they believed or what they adamantly fought against they at those last moments it seemed like they realized it too late and that was a very frightening thing for them and you could hear it you could see it in in their words um if you pull it up right now yeah um i'll do just a few of them because this is interesting uh caesar borgia He's an Italian nobleman, a politician, and a cardinal. And some of his last words were, While I lived, I provided for everything but death. Now I must die and am unprepared to die. Yeah. That's, what a confession. <laughs> like, I've, I've lived to prepare for everything, but now that I'm really coming to the end of it, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. There's no way to prepare. But there is. With Christ, there is a way to prepare. Yeah. Um, okay. How about Sir Thomas Scott? He's a chancellor of England. Until this moment, I thought there was neither a God nor a hell. Now I know and feel that there are both. And I am doomed to perdition by the just judgment of the almighty. This is an atheist. Yeah, that's the one. A a professing, life-professing atheist. That's unbelievable. How about Voltaire? a famous anti-Christian atheist. He said, I have swallowed nothing but smoke. I have intoxicated myself with the incense that turned my head. I am abandoned by God and man. And then it says, he said to his physician, Dr. Fochin, said, I will give you half of what I am worth 
if you will give me six months of life. And then it says, when wow. he was told this was not possible, he said, then I shall die and go to hell. And then his nurse said, for all the money in Europe, I wouldn't want to see another unbeliever die. All night long, he cried for forgiveness. Wow. It's Voltaire. Yeah. That's a well-known name. Uh-huh. That's, that's his life. That's what it amounts to. Mm-hmm. And here we are covering up the idea of death. Like it's not going to be the most frightening, terrifying, mm-hmm. just all-consuming For the thing. non-believer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how many people... I don't know how many people, what the statistics are of how many people die suddenly, unexpectedly, or how many people have like a little, a little bit of room, like maybe one, two days of like, hey, you're on your deathbed. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of cancer diagnoses where people say they got four, five, six, two years to live. That's, yeah. that's a terrible two years unless you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And it's some of the most fruitful two years sometimes because that's when the gospel goes out more readily from someone. Amen. Christians seem to kind of amp up their, their devotion when they're about to come to that place of death. But it's like... How many people die in a sudden car accident versus in comparison to how many people have like an extended little preparatory time right. for their death? And it's like, these are the people who have devoted and succeeded in this world financially, reputation-wise, even politically because yeah. of their atheism. Not apart from it, because of. Their atheistic propaganda and views and beliefs and teachings have brought them in front of people they've written they've written so much information that their books have been studied in colleges and all sorts of places their stuff is well known and this is the end of their life a a, a meaningless empty frightening pleading with tears mm-hmm. well i mean yeah what what are we doing here why are we avoiding this topic yeah. When the people that have gone before us and succeeded far more than we ever might have nothing happy about. I mean, he, he literally, this Voltaire literally offered his nurse half of all he had, which could have been millions. Yeah. For six more months. He wasn't saying, I want 10 more years. I just want to breathe for six more months. I'm pretty sure he would have sorted out everything about faith in those six months. Yeah. And I'm sure that since it's Voltaire, he just rejected the Christian doctrine. He should have known enough to reject it, to know yeah. that all he needs to do is receive it. It could have been 10 seconds and he would have been right with God mm-hmm. if he truly would have believed the gospel. But he still didn't want to believe it. He said, no, no, it's, it's, not, it's not Christ. It's got to be something else. Right. It's got to be uh, some sort of a religious uh, travel. Like, I got to go to Mecca or I got to go here. I got to go perform these indulgences, like whatever it is. Like, Again, I got I to do something. Yeah. yeah. But it's like just reading that, it's it's so saddening because mm-hmm. I know it's true. I yeah. know that if they died in that condition, which most likely many of them did, they did go to hell. Or they are in, in this soul sleep waiting for standing up to judgment, however people want to view it. They're not going to have good outcomes. And it's eternal. It's an eternal consequence. Yeah. So when we see a body of someone that we know or have seen or have some familiarity with and they're gone, we should not be thinking, it's fine. We should be looking at it saying, well, why is death even a thing? Like, why, why do they have to die? Yeah. Like, we should think about what is death? Mm-hmm. And, and the Bible will answer every single one of these questions. Amen. Like, what is death? Why do we have it? And is it good? No, it's bad. It's a terrible outcome. And God's using all of it. But it's like, this was not a good way for things to be falling apart and decaying. This was not the, the beauty of God's desires. But it is his purpose to bring it about to its rightful ending conclusion mm-hmm. with Christ's death and resurrection and all things that lead to that. But it's just like, we're, we're not, 
we're not in a place where we can't talk about this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that I work in and and I dissect and study different doctrines. I even study certain views of atheism mm-hmm. because for for my kids, I don't want them just to know the Christian doctrine. I want them to know how to argue against atheism mm-hmm. by knowing true atheism and to know good atheism, like really convincing atheism. I want them to know that, like, here, this is why they reject the Bible, because they don't believe that this and this could have happened in this way. And then I'll show them, well, historically, as much as we can dissect and as much as we can study, this did happen this way. And there's enough evidence showing that Jesus did exist. There's more evidence towards Jesus than there is towards Caesar. There's more actual historical evidence for him than there is for any other popular Mm -hmm. figure from the Greek era, any of the philosophers. There's more about him and from him than there is from any of those. And yet we study those like fact and him like fiction. So it's like... Fiction is a fake one, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Nonfiction, <laughs> fiction. I always confuse those two. But it's like, I want my daughters and my, my boy to know this is what atheism teaches. Yeah. They're not stupid. They're really smart. But this is what atheism teaches. This is why they teach this. This is why they reject this part, this part. Like, I really want to go through that. And I'm so excited for Adelaide to turn 12 or 13 so she can start thinking through these things. Because I don't awesome. want her to be convinced because daddy brainwashed her. I want her to know the truth and she's going to see it in my life by God's grace as he continues to work in me. Yeah. But I totally want her to know what are the other views because that's the only way to fight against false doctrine. Yeah. To actually know what's coming your way. And she can't just know the Bible. She needs to know what the false views are and why they are so convincing at times. Mm-hmm. And I need to be able to be truthful about that. So being able to study that with your kids and being able to do those things that's that's our job. We're preparing them for eternity. We're not preparing them for retirement. And a lot of people think, think like, you know, I just want my kids to have a good job and good life. It's like, your kids are going to die one day. Do you prepare them for that? Because that's more permanent and yeah. that's more guaranteed than any career mm-hmm. and any retirement and any any pension plan. Like, yeah, and it can that, happen that, at any time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like we have to prepare them for death. And with that preparation of death and facing God, with that, let their lives be led and prepared. Yeah. I mean, if you're ready for Christ, then you're ready for this world. Mm. But if you're not ready for Christ, you're not even ready for this world because you'll view this whole world the wrong way. Yeah. You'll, you'll put it on a pedestal that it shouldn't be on. You'll put way too much expectation on money and comforts and lavish living, Material and you won't things. have enough preparation for depression and sadness and things like that. So, There was yeah. a real quick going back uh, to the last moments of somebody. Um, there's this documentary I saw, I believe it was called eight seconds and it was talking about the eight seconds it takes for somebody to jump off the San Francisco bridge. Okay. And the few survivors that have attempted suicide by jumping off of that bridge. And, um, I want to say all or a lot of them, the moment they jumped off, they realized what a terrible mistake they made. Yeah. Some of them were atheists. Some of them were somewhat, believers but yeah a lot of them said the moment they jumped they said those eight seconds it was the worst thing in the world yeah some of them immediately knew that that there is a better way they they couldn't quite explain to it Uh, i don't remember if any of them came to christ or not I, i saw this documentary a long time ago um but in that moment there was like this clarity and this awful realization you know, yeah. and these are the ones that survived. Now, the ones that didn't, and they jumped off. Probably the same statistics. Yeah, that I'm sure they had the same thoughts running through their mind, except they didn't. They didn't get that second chance. Yeah, you know what a that's crazy. What a yeah, what an awful crazy thing it is to come to death without Christ. Yeah, 
you know. And to, and to know that you were wrong is how you accomplished it. Yeah. Like that's. Yeah. If you take it by your own hands. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've just, I've, I've heard and I've seen, I've heard very, uh, accounts of people that have taken their own life and, and it's, it is a terrible thing to die without Christ. I've been yeah. to funerals, both, uh, wonderful funerals where somebody died in Christ and it's almost like a celebration. Yeah. There is that mourning aspect of it. We comfort each other, but there's that just wonderful hope that we know this person is, has fought the it's good fight. It's a sweet bitterness. Yeah. But I've also been there when, when it's just nothing but sadness. Yeah. Absolute just sadness. And even more so because again, the, they'll comfort each other saying, Oh, he's still with you or, or, or she's still with you. Um, but knowing the truth, like it's it's a deep sadness, and I I don't want to experience it. I I hate it because I'm like there's there's no hope, and like how do I comfort you? How do I tell you your family member is not where you think he is? You know? Yeah. And and sometimes you really don't even have to say that. You know, you just just give them the gospel, give yeah. them the word. They'll realize it. You know, and then they might be able to better tell others about it. So. Yeah, facing death, you don't have to face it alone if you have Christ. You, you, you don't. You know, you might have be surrounded by family members and, and whatnot, and that's nice. But if you don't have Christ, your family members can't vouch for you. Your family members can't pay some kind of way for you to enter into heaven. There's no space or dimension where you're going to be able to make it right. It's, it's here in this life. It's funny that we put such a heavy weight on intellect and rational thinking and we're so rational about death. Like yeah, we won't true. we won't prepare ourselves in the ways that we know and we can think through, but we'll just say, you know, when I'm when I die, it'll all kind of just sort itself out. So there's nothing in life that just sorts itself out that way. We don't we don't do that with anything. But with with our death and eternity, we have this view sometimes saying, you know, I'll deal with that when I get there. Yeah. It's like, what part of life do you deal with it when you get there other than unexpected things? But this is an expected thing. Yeah. Like, yo, people will say like, Hey, you know, uh, I'll get this, uh, I'll get this house insurance. And if something happens, then I'll deal with the insurance when it gets it. But you've insured yourself. Mm. You don't know how you're going to sort through it. You don't know who you're going to have to repair whatever's been damaged. You don't know those things because you don't need to know those necessarily. But you know that you're insured and you're ready to deal with something that could happen. But with death, it's like, we'll see what happens. It's like, that's such a <laughs> no. stupid way of looking at yeah. anything, especially something as definite and certain, 100% guaranteed as yeah. death. So it's like people get that expensive insurance on their cell phones, 15, 20 bucks a month. Think about it, it adds up. <laughs> but it's like, their phones don't always break. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like, man, I wish I could get all that insurance money back because my phone didn't even get a scratch before right. the before the upgrade. But it's like, death is 100% certain. You're not going to squeeze your way past that. Mm -hmm. Everyone dies. And and the thing is, it, it, everyone dies and it could happen at any moment. Yeah. It could happen 20 years from now or it could happen 30 minutes from now. Yeah. You know? A lot of people with money in their bank accounts that are no longer on this earth. Yeah. They were not ready. Mm -hmm. They were not thinking. Yeah. They had lots of plans. A lot of a lot of electronic calendars filled with events to do that will never be taken place by those people. So it's yeah. like we gotta view that like how many people just dropped out of our world suddenly mm -hmm. and they were supposed to go to the next party. They were yeah. supposed to go to the next meeting. They're gone. 
there's very few people that know this with certainty the time or the time frame of their actual mortality but everyone else kind of gets surprised by it yeah so we should be preparing all right final words close it out for us <laughs> i guess the only words i mean if if anybody is listening or someone's listening yeah well <laughs> if somebody is listening that isn't a believer you know come to christ i, I think it always i, I want to state that you know coming to christ and death is a certain thing and again it can happen at at any moment um whether you're a christian or or a non-christian it's it's a part of life and so while you're living while you're breathing you know consider the word of god consider the work of christ um consider it and don't take it for granted you know consider how you're living too i mean the way you're living the way you're you're going all out in life it might be bringing you closer to death than you think so so please consider that follow christ final quote i don't know who wrote it or who said it mm-hmm. life is short death is sure heaven and hell is real this has been the Milk and Meat Podcast. Uh, myself, uh, my co-host and brother. Aldo Beltran. And we'll catch you next time. God bless you guys. God bless. Because I'll be worried about yourself. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. The feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity. And suddenly.